Ooh, that was fantastic. I look forward to that every year. That's one of the things they do here. And, and to kind of go along with the message you're going to hear in a little bit, I just wish I could play drums a little bit enough to fit into the band, but they've always called me a little offbeat for a reason. So if you would, <laughs> that goes along with my introduction. We, um, we're in the midst of our series on Christmas classics. We were looking at those well-known movies um, that uh, come out every year re related to Christmas, but we're taking a, a bigger view at the truths that are in them and finding the larger truths uh, through Scripture. But one of the things we're doing at the beginning each week is a trivia game, so you need to find this in your bulletin, along with a pencil and a piece of paper. You know, why are we doing trivia? Pastor said we had to. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> All my years in youth ministry, really as a speaker, and you guys know this, that, that when people uh, begin to speak and, and there's some type of humor or activity at the beginning, not only does it relax the speaker a little bit, it relaxes the audience. It actually gives us a better opportunity to learn. And um, I found that out, especially in youth ministry. And so I love doing things like this at the beginning because not only is it, it gives us something to interact with, but just kind of helps us move toward the direction that we're going. So... We have 10 questions today, and our movie for the day is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, one of my favorites uh, for many reasons, mostly because I always felt like a misfit as a child, moving around all the time, never having uh, the same, being in the same town, the same schools very long. Um, I kind of related to Rudolph. So here are the questions. You guys ready? All right. Number one, what was the name of the snowman narrator, excuse me, what was the name of the snowman narrator played by Burl Ives? Love Burl Ives. He sang in the movie, and the character, Rotund, kind of, kind of like him. If I go too fast, let me know. Number two, what is the name of the ruler of the island of misfit toys? I'm going to give you multiple choice on this one. A, Santa Claus. B, Winter Warlock. C, the Abominable Snow Monster. Or D, King Moonracer. A, B, C, or D. Now, don't do that trick that kids used to do when I'd have them in class where they'd write something that could look like any of those four letters. All right? You can write just the letter, but you got to make sure it's legible. Number three, according to Yukon Cornelius, the fog was as thick as what? Not the traditional thing you would think of with fog. Maybe a little tastier. All right, you got it. Number four. What type of animal did the cowboy on the island of misfit toys ride? Here's your hint. It's actually an animal you could ride. But it's definitely not a horse. What type of animal did he ride? Number five. Trying to move slow enough that you have time to think a minute and ride it, but not so slow that um, you have time to look it up. Number five. By what nickname does Mrs. Claus refer to Santa? I believe every time she talks to him or calls him, she uses this nickname. Number six. My mind was thinking, should I say, what nickname do you guys use for each other? But I decided not to do that. Number six. What reindeer 
is Rudolph's father? Again, multiple choice. A, Vixen, B, Donner, C, Blitzen, or D, Dasher? For those that don't know, this is what we call the 25% question. 25% chance of getting it right. Rudolph's father. Number seven. What is the name of the doe who became the girlfriend of Rudolph? It's a beautiful name. The name of the of, of Rudolph's girlfriend for better girl dear. I don't know what you'd call her. <laughs> but she accepted him just the way he was. So we all like her. Number eight. What is Yukon Cornelius really looking for? And here's the hint. If you've not noticed this in the movie, every time he pulls his pickaxe out of the snow, he licks it. Is he looking for A, peppermint, B, gold, C, silver, or D, bumble teeth? If you don't know what bumble teeth are, you'll have to watch the movie again. A, B, C, or D. Number nine. What reindeer was the flying coach who led the reindeer games? Was it A, Cupid, B, Comet, C, Dancer, or D, Prancer? And if you're keeping count, that's all eight reindeer. But if you watch at the end of the movie when they take off and Rudolph's leading the sleigh, there's only six others. Not sure who they left behind. Hopefully it was the coach because he didn't deserve to go as you'll find out. And number 10. Rudolph first appeared in a 1939 booklet written by Robert L. May and published by what now defunct department store as a Christmas promotion. And there is a hint built into that question. 1939, who first published it? It first was a, a, a booklet that was given out at Christmas. Then it became a famous song, sung by, anybody? Gene Autry is the first one to make it famous. And then the story, the movie, was actually adapted from the song. All right, you got it? All right. Trade with somebody near you so that they can grade this. We'll do this quickly. But if you can't find somebody around you, we'll let you do it on the honor system because we trust you and we know if you grade your own, you get 10 out of 10. Something's up. All right, you ready? What was the name of the snowman narrator played by Burl Ives? It was Sam the Snowman. Sam the Snowman. Number two, what was the name of the ruler of the island of misfit toys? King Moonracer, of course. Did you guys know that one? All right. Number three, according to Yukon Cornelius, the fog was as thick as peanut butter. Who got that? All right. Number four, what type of animal did the cowboy on the Island of Misfit Toys ride? Well, an ostrich, of course. <laughs> Number five, by what nickname does Mrs. Claus refer to Santa? Papa. Papa. Papa and Mama. Number six, what reindeer is Rudolph's father? Well, Donner, of course. I like to say, of course, so that if you missed it, you think, oh, should I have known that? 
Number seven, what was the name of the doe who became the girlfriend of Rudolph? Clarice, what a great name, Clarice. Do we have anybody here today named Clarice? No, okay, I was gonna make sure you got a gift as well. <laughs> Number eight, what is Yukon Cornelius really looking for? Peppermint, peppermint. I probably made that too easy with the hint, but who would have known that that's why I kept licking the pickaxe along the way? Number nine, what reindeer was the flying coach who led the reindeer games? It was Comet, B, B, Comet. Have I got nine yet out of nine? Well, we got one or two, all right. And Rudolph first appeared in the 1939 booklet written by Robert May and published by what now defunct department store as a Christmas promotion? Montgomery Ward. Montgomery Ward. You guys remember that store? True story, I was going, unpacking an old box the other day and came across a, a book for a refrigerator, a booklet from Montgomery Ward. All right, did anybody get 10 out of 10? Anybody? If you did, stand up because I'm not seeing your hand. Who got nine? Oh, we got several people with nine. All right, here's what I think you're supposed to do is write your name on your paper. And when you leave today, leave it at the, um, at the uh, Welcome Center out in the lobby. And you'll be a part of a random drawing for a gift. Unless somebody beats you with a 10 out of 10 in one of the other services. Well, amen, that was nice. Oh, no, we're not done. We're not done. I'm sorry. Nope, you got to sit for a little longer. All right, if you're visiting with us today, I started to say I'm sorry. I'm not. Welcome to a church that enjoys gathering together, playing together, worshiping together, praying together, and learning together. Uh, my name is David Roderick. I'm Minister of Outreach and Mission here. And um, one of my favorite things is to do things that, that provide a welcoming uh, atmosphere for us, for those who, who are from the outside. And that's really what our story and our message is about today. So as we begin, let's pray. Guys, we trans transition from, from fun and laughter. Let that not end, but let us look at a story that's in some ways timeless, but in many ways on target for who we are as Christians and who you are to us. First in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Rudolph had it rough from birth. He had this big bulbous red nose that glowed, but it made him different. And it caused him a lot of pain and rejection throughout his life, especially early on in his life. His parents were ashamed of it and tried to cover it up, first with mud and later with this little cap that made him talk funny. Santa, being reassured uh, by his parents that it would clear up by the time he got older, says, well, it better if he wants to make the sleigh team someday. So it could cost him a chance to be on the sleigh team. And then he goes to flying practice with Coach Comet and all the other little uh, bucks. And, well, here's a quick video to show you what happened when he was there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
loud. Fireball, what's the matter? G get away. G get away from me. What? Now, 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 now. What's this nonsense here, Bucks? After all, yeah! <gasps> <gasps> hey, look at the beat. Beat, my should be ashamed of yourself. What a pity. He had a nice takeoff, too. <laughs> all right, all right now, yearlings. Back to practice. Oh, no, not you. You better go home with your folks. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Right, right, right. That's painful, isn't it? Rejected by the coach. All the kids laughed at him. Not allowed to play in their games. A little later, Clarice's father says, no doe of mine is going to be seen with a red-nosed reindeer. And even after he'd ran away and was hiding from the abominable snow monster, um, his nose glowed so the snow monster could find him. And he said, it's my nose again. It's ruined us. That's a lot to live with for a young reindeer. Well, it is just a reindeer. I get that. And, you know, we are having a lot of discussion in our culture about this movie. I don't know if you follow much of the news, but there's been an outcry to ban this, this show from television because of the pain that it causes and the example it sets. But then there are also those who say, well, it's a 50-year-old cartoon. Come on, get over it. Right? And I've heard both of those through the last couple of weeks. But, you know, oh, my opinion? You want to know? Okay, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I think it's the same as a lot of issues in our culture today. We choose sides and we argue about it. And we devalue the other person's feelings or thoughts about it instead of having a real conversation about what the issue is. You know, one of the great things we have now that, that wasn't around when that uh, movie first came out is a pause button where we can just stop the movie and we can have a conversation with our kids, our family. We can talk about bullying, being bullied or bullying, about self-esteem, about self-worth, about valuing those who are different from us. It also gives us a chance to talk about our own experiences of being different it gives our kids a chance to say, here's what's happening to me at school, or here's where I feel different. And it also gives us a chance not only to share, but to listen and hear from others and hear how they feel about themselves. And we know we might find that those conversations are helpful and healing. So instead of being dualistic and saying one way or the other, let's see the middle on issues. Let's have conversation. And I think having a conversation about what Rudolph went through in this movie really sets the stage for us to have some conversation about ourselves and about how God sees us. You know, right there where, where those kids are laughing and this coach, I mean, I was a PE teacher back in the day. I can't imagine being an adult and telling the other kids, hey, we're not going to let this kid participate because he's different. He doesn't fit in. He's not good enough. Yet that's what happens in here. I'd love to say to him, to those, those reindeer that laughed at him, or to any of us that make fun of others, 
And what I would say comes from 1 John chapter 3. It says, this is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Our lives can sometimes just be our pride, our uncomfortableness. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us love those who are around us in spite of our differences, especially those who are in need of love, who have been rejected. Well, there's another storyline in this movie that runs alongside Rudolph's, and it's the storyline of Hermie the Elf. Hermie was not like the other elves because he didn't like to make toys. He wanted to be something different. What do you want to be? A dentist. Yeah. He was laughed at. He was threatened. He wasn't allowed to go on break and was told he'd be fired if he didn't keep up production. He felt like a misfit. In fact, he and Rudolph both felt like they were misfits. <clears throat> Later in the, in the story, they meet up. In one of the best dialogues, Hermes says, well, I've decided I'm going to be independent. And Rudolph says, well, I'm going to be independent too. Hermes says, well, let's be independent together. You know, if you think about that, there's a lot of power in that, isn't there? When we need somebody to accept us, when we feel unacceptable, to find somebody to come long, alongside of us. Well, they sing a song in this, and in the midst of that song, which I'm not going to show you, but it says this. It says, some of the lyrics says, we may be different from the rest. Who decides the test of what is really best? Isn't that a great question? We're a couple of misfits What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. They're starting to learn that maybe their weakness could be their strength. What about you? Have you ever felt like you didn't fit in? Like an outsider? You felt judged by someone who didn't even know you? Have you felt like a misfit? Most of us have. Robert May, who wrote this story, <laughs> Really wanted to be a novelist, well-known for his writings, but he was a mid-level ad copywriter in a huge company. And life had dealt him some, some blows, and most people theorize that this story really came out of his own hurt and his own feelings of being a misfit. Well, the Bible is full of stories of misfits. In today's first scripture, we learned about Matthew, who was a tax collector. Now, if you're a Jew and you're a tax collector, you're seen as a traitor, really. Because during that time, the, the, the Israelites were under the rule of the Roman government. And the Roman government taxed them and at a very high rate. In fact, it made, made it very difficult for them to make a living because of the heavy taxation. And here's one of their own collecting from them to give to the oppressor. And one of the ways the tax collectors made their own money was by the money they could extort beyond just what the government required. So when somebody's called a tax collector in the Bible, it's usually said with, with a snarl on the face and with some meanness. 
And that's who this Matthew character was, later to become a disciple. Well, the, class, the tax collectors are often lumped in with the sinners. Now, in one sense, that's good. When you think about it, just take the word for itself as sinners, because we're all that. We all fit in that group that Jesus hung out with. But in particular here, they're talking about the people, when, they call, when the when sinners are used here, it's talking about those people who do not follow the religious laws of the, day, of the day, the purity laws, who don't live like the religious rulers, the Pharisees, felt like they should live. And so they put them to a pool with, with the tax collectors. These are people who do not belong in our culture. Well, the Pharisees felt like they were the ones who decide the test of what is really best. And as a result, thought, they thought that the tax collectors and sinners should never be allowed to play in any reindeer games. They didn't belong. But Jesus reminds us that everyone has a place. In fact, during that same confrontation, the Pharisees asked the disciples of Jesus, well, why does your teacher hang out with those tax collectors and sinners? Jesus took time to reply himself, and he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners, the misfits. In other words, he's come to help the people who do not belong to belong. He did this all the time when he spent time with, with many people in, in that community who were considered unfit. So not only did he eat with the sinners and the tax collectors, but he defended a woman accused of adultery. He made Samaritans, the despised people of that day, the heroes of some of his parables. He valued women and children at a time where they were seen as little more than property. He healed the blind and the lame. He even spent time and healed those with leprosy people who were completely shunned and rejected from their culture and their communities and even struck fear in others, but not in Jesus. You know, it would have been great if the Pharisees had just listened to Jesus, but they already had their minds made up about who didn't belong. Well, that doesn't happen today, huh? Yeah. Do you know one of the great things about this movie are the reversals that take place. Hermie, this little elf who wants to be a dentist, saves he and his friends because he's able as a dentist to pull the teeth of the abominable snow monster so he can't eat them and kill them. And then there's Rudolph with his nose so bright who was called on to save Christmas. And here was the thing, it was their weakness. It was the place, the misfit that really made them fit in. Well, the story of Jesus is like that as well. The story we celebrate here during this Christmas time. People were looking for this mighty king to come and, and, and be raised up to save them. Instead, they got a little baby born in unquestionable circumstances, rejected by his own people. He understands what it means to be misunderstood, to be undervalued. Yet it was him that brought value to the misfits of the world. It was Jesus who in the greatest reversal brought life through death. And he gives us all a chance to belong, to be valued, 
to be loved and to fit in. You know, that character that's often missed, which is the, the, the king of the island of misfit toys, King Moonracer. It's said of him that every night he searches the entire earth. And when he finds a misfit toy, that one that no little boy or girl loves, he brings it to live on the island until someone wants it. You know, we have someone who will go to the ends of the earth for us as well. That's our God. One who wants to help us experience love no matter who we are, what we are, are the circumstances that we're in. And he calls on us to partner with him in showing love to, uh, love to others. He asks us to help provide homes and a place for misfits to feel loved. My hope is that you'll do that. That instead of making others feel like misfits, you will help them fit in. We have a program, a ministry really here, called Upward Basketball. And one of the things I love about Upward is it is a place where everybody can fit in. I get questions all the time from parents. Well, my child's never played. Or they're nervous about it. Or, or what do they have to do to, to, do they have to try out to get into the league? And the answer simply is no. Anybody and everybody is welcome to play. We do these evaluations, and it's really just to meet families and give kids a chance to try on their uniforms and uh, at first to kind of help keep the teams even. But the last one we had, there was a young man in sixth grade who came in. And, I, you know, I asked, I talked to his mom, I said, so have you guys signed up yet? She goes, well, he's not sure if he wants to play. And, and I had met him uh, last summer during a tennis camp I had run, but uh, he had never played basketball. And he said, well, you know, I've never played. I don't, I don't know. I'm in sixth grade. You know, all the other kids are going to be better than me. And uh, I assured him that's not true, but here comes two or three other sixth graders in, a couple of them who have never played, and kids that he knew. And they talked to him and said, yeah, you'll love this. And, and another one of his friends came in who's played in the past and said, you'll like this. And then one of our adult leaders brought him out to, to take him through the evaluations and assured him that everyone's good enough. That's what I love about that program. My favorite thing that happens is when some of the kids who are better, when they do everything they can in a game to help one of the kids who has never scored to make a basket. Sometimes our coaches encourage that, but occasionally the kids will do that on their own. Some of you have seen that, experienced that. And we're not perfect. We still have issues with kids because they're kids. But the goal is to help every kid fit in. I would encourage you, this really is not meant to be a commercial. It's really meant for you. Um, this is a place that if you help out, you can help others fit in. On a given Saturday, as our numbers continue to grow, we'll have probably well over 500 people walk into our building every Saturday, beginning January 19th for eight weeks. And of those 500 plus, most of them will not be a part of this church, and many of them will be, not be a part of any church. And what happens when they walk in here? is a chance for us to help them feel like they belong. From greeters at the doors they come in, to our coaches, to those who run the scoreboard, to the people in the concession stand, uh, the people who, who um, referee. Uh, we have all kinds of places that people can fit in or can fit and help others fit in. So if you've never helped with that ministry, even if you can give two or three Saturdays, let me know. I would love for you to be a part of that is a chance for us to share 
not only with the kids on the floor, uh, what it means to be a part of a team, to develop skills and to build confidence, but also gives us a chance to talk to all those parents and grandparents about what it means to be an intentional parent, a parent that raises kids to love others and to serve others. Again, as I was putting this message together and we had our last evaluation, it just occurred to me. That is a value of our church, is to help those who do not fit in to find a place to fit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. And not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things, the nitwits, the misfits of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. (laughs) Sounds a lot like the story of Rudolph. He ends it with this, Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast, no one who boasts, boast in the... Let me read that one more time. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In other words, let the misfits and the nitwits, like me and like you, Find our place and let our weaknesses become our strengths. Let us pray. God, your table is big enough for all of us. And it's not exclusive. It welcomes everyone. Misfits and nitwits alike, we've all been invited to your table. All those who seek you. Lord, on those Sundays we do communion, we're all welcome at your table. But God, beyond that, we're all welcome daily, minute by minute, at your table, alongside everyone else. God, let us recognize in ourselves that we are worthy because of you. Let us recognize in others that they too are worthy because of you. And that in you and at your table, we all fit. Amen.